the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at um, a second message of a series that we started a couple of weeks ago. And that is a message, a series of messages called the Alpha and Omega. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. And so we're looking at Jesus. We looked at a couple of weeks ago before his birth, which we're looking at today, how in what we call eternity past, Jesus has always been. He's not a created being. He's always been. Uh, there was a time when he was born, and we'll look at today, uh, and, and took upon himself a human body uh, as a baby. But he, is, um, he's, he was not a created being and not a created God, as is falsely taught by many of the cults. But look with me in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. Then we're going to go back to Genesis in a moment. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. That's a capital W. And when you see the word capital W in the New Testament, that's referring to Jesus the, the word small w is usually referring, referring to the Word of God, the Bible. The, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Why? Because the Word is indeed Jesus Christ. We'll see that in a moment. Look at verse 2. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Skip to verse 14. We find out who this Word is, this capital W. And the Word was made flesh. And that, of course, is our Savior that we're looking at today in our message. And dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we're going to look at today just four things about this and see about how Jesus, uh, when He was born, we think of this time of year at Christmas as He came to be our Savior. He was born to be the Savior of all mankind. Go back with me first, if you will, to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Let's see where it began. So God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we call them the Trinity. Jesus is what we call the second person of the Trinity. He is the Son of God, God the Son. And we know that the Scripture makes it very clear um, as to why He came to earth. In the book of uh, John also, chapter 17, verse 5, the night that Jesus was Betrayed the very night before he was crucified, he said, O Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And he, he, in that prayer, he said, I've come to finish the work you gave me to do. I've come to go all the way to the cross and, and die, die for the sins of mankind. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So here we're going to look into uh, the birth of our Savior, why he came, why he had to come and be born as a baby. This is the one that created the angels that announced the good news uh, as, as uh, the shepherds came and hurried to see as he was born, uh, to see this, this thing that had happened, the scripture says. These angels that announced that good news, that worshiped him, Jesus created them. He created the, the shepherds who passionately and purposely came to behold uh, the, these, uh, this baby that was born. The flocks that they had been keeping, watching so faithfully, Jesus, the Lord, created all those things. He created his own mother, Mary. Isn't that an awesome thought that he created her and her fiance, Joseph? He created them. I was looking at last night, actually, and, and um, added this to, to this today. Um, many of you may love the song. I love this song for years, uh, uh, Mary, Did You Know? And I don't know if you've heard the story behind that. Mark Lowry, who wrote that, 
um, there was an interview with him that when he began to write the lyrics of the song, Mark said, my mind went back to the manger scene. I began to think about the power, the authority, and the majesty as Mary cradled in her arms um, that baby. Those little lips were the same lips that had spoken the worlds into existence. All of those things were contained in the young child lying quietly on her, on her bosom. Even now, he was the very one who had given life to his mother Mary, and now she gave life to him. Isn't that an amazing thought? Our Savior, who did that, he gave her life, and now she's giving him life as she carried him those nine months, conceived of the Holy Ghost, carried him to be born to be her Savior and our Savior. Look with me in Genesis, and let's see where this all began. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, when they sinned, God did not have a panic button there to hit at the throne. He didn't say, oh no, what am I going to do now? I need to back up and do another plan. Adam and Eve fell. They disobeyed me. God knew that was going to happen. God tested them. They failed the test. But yet God knew that was going to happen. And he gave them the free will to choose, just as you and I have a free will to make choices in our life. And ultimately we have a free will. What are we going to do with Jesus Christ? Are we going to trust him? Or reject him. And so after that happened, the Bible says God brought judgment upon the serpent. Uh, verse 14, he brings judgment upon Adam, uh, upon Eve in verse 15, and of course upon Adam and all the earth uh, in the later verses. But verse 16, he says this Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and that he shall rule over thee. That's verse 16. Back up to verse 15. I went too far. And I will put enmity between thee. He's talking to the serpent, if you notice in verse 14, to the devil. I will put enmity between thee, Satan, and the woman, and between thy seed, talking about Satan there, and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, talking to Satan. Thou shalt bruise his heel, talking about whoever the seed would be. Notice he says that the woman, as we know from biology, we know from life, the woman does not have a seed. That's, of course, the seed comes from the man. And so we know that that would be the case. But what God is telling them here, something miraculous is going to happen. There's going to be a woman who gives birth, and it'll be, as he says, from her seed, not from the seed of her husband. This is a prophecy here, way, way back in the garden, right after man had sinned. God had his plan ready to be put in place. I'm going to send a Savior. I'm going to send someone who will be the Savior of all humanity, of all mankind. So first thing we see about Jesus' birth and why he came is we study this from the viewpoint of his birth and the Alpha and Omega. Number one is to save us, God already had a plan. He knew he was going to send his son. Skip over centuries to the New Testament. Go with me to the book of Galatians, if you will. Galatians chapter number 4. Galatians 4. And when we read this, Genesis 3.15 will make sense to us a little more. Galatians chapter 4. Why would God say to a, that it would be the seed of the woman? Galatians 4, verse number 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, I don't know why God chose to wait until what we think of as the year zero for Jesus to be born. I don't know why. He did. I don't know why he didn't send him before the first king was born in Israel. I don't know why. I don't know why he, he didn't send them before Israel and Judah divided and they ended up going into captivity. I have no idea why. We do know the Bible says that in the fullness of the time, 
So when the time was right, when it's completely right and ripe, if you want to use that word, for Jesus to be born, God knew that was the time for it to be. You say, well, how were, before Jesus came, how were people saved in the Old Testament like people are saved in the New Testament? Through faith. They believed. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for what? Righteousness. So through faith, Abraham believed. He received the very righteousness of God because he believed. And so believing is, is salvation. And so God, whatever reason, he chose to happen at what we call the year zero uh, on our calendar, Jesus came. Look at verse 4. God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Made of a woman because there's not a man involved in that. Why? Because He's conceived the Holy Ghost, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll probably come back to those in just a moment. But for in order for God to save us, God already had a plan, and that was His Son, Jesus Christ. He was a promise that God had delivered on time. Um, uh, a mind, God's mind is certainly greater than our mind and our ways. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 tells us that. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. Now I can't answer the questions why it, it, God waited till when he did, other than the scripture makes it very clear that when the time was come, and the woman was the right woman that he had chosen to be, uh, the one who was the mother of our Savior. God chose that, and the time came to pass, and he brought it to pass. One thing we do know is when that time came, they, uh, the, the world was under the power of Rome's influence and under their, governor, uh, under their leadership, under their government. And as a result of that, one of the things that Rome did right, was they, they made these roadways throughout the Roman Empire where it was easy to travel. Now, their, their reason for it is people get back where they need to go to pay their taxes. <laughs> but the, the, they had no idea that God was going to use that to get people where they needed to be and where Joseph and Mary where they needed to be and Paul and the apostles to take the gospel once it was, once Paul was saved, once it, to go all throughout the Roman Empire, to spread the gospel. They didn't have any clue they were doing that when they were building those roads, but God knew exactly what he was doing. And also, the, the law had come to the point where the Old Testament law, um, you know, no one had kept, they, they knew they couldn't keep it for righteousness. They had kept disobeying the law so much that they ended up scattered everywhere. And so there were a remnant of them back in Israel, but, but you know, they're, they're God's covenant, God's always going to keep his end, but, but man doesn't. And so they didn't keep their covenant was God wanted them to keep it. And so they ended up scattered everywhere. And so all these things happened where the time was just right. It was the fullness of time, the Bible calls it. And so God had his plan all ready to save us. Let's move on a little further into the birth of Christ. Go with me to Philippians 2, if you will. Philippians 2. And look with me in verse number 7. Philippians 2 and verse number 7. This uh, passage is a, a great passage talking about Jesus um, as he was in heaven, then left heaven to be born, uh, to be our uh, Savior, and then as he uh, went all the way to the cross. But look at verse, um, pick up verse 5. Our key verse is going to be verse 7. Let this mind be in you, um, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Number two, to save us, Jesus had to become one of us. He had to become one of us 
to save us. And it says there that he, uh, being in fa- uh, found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He, verse 8 tells us he humbled himself. He took the form of a servant, verse 7, became humble and, and became one of us. And it says there in Philippians 2, verse 7, um, as he came, took the likeness of men. And the only way to do that was to be, to be born as a baby and to, to be born as you and I are born as babies and to live a life. Of course, his life was without sin. But to save us, he had to become one of us. Isaiah 7, verse 14 says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And then that promise is repeated whenever the angel appears and talks to Mary and talks to Joseph. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. And so uh, there's that promise that was given not simply a young woman, but a virgin. Um, it, it, the only way he could be human and not have a sin nature, it had to be that he had to be conceived of the Holy Ghost. But in other words, and the way to do that could only be to be born of a, of a woman and, as the Scripture said, of a virgin, not just a young woman. So, you know, I hate to deflate some of your uh, new translations, but if it says young woman, I'd, I'd, get, uh, I'd, get, I'd get the right translation. It, it, it isn't just a young woman. It's, it's a virgin. And so to say that it's a young woman, that completely changes the, sin, the, the less than sin nature of Jesus Christ. So it's not just a young woman. Just keep that in mind. So the long word is the word incarnation. It's what it is. It's a long uh, theology word that, that means uh, that God basically becomes flesh to incarnate something. The word carne is, is a word that means flesh. The doctrine of the incarnation is that God was manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3 verse 16 tells us, great is the mystery of Godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He, he, was, he, he, became, uh, he became human. He, he was not uh, he, he didn't come here and just appear as, as God or as some type of phantom, but he had to become a baby. This is very familiar to some of you. Some of you may not have heard this before, but if you have, please bear with me. It'll take a few minutes, but uh, part of this I may read, but part of this I'll try to do off of memory. Uh, many years ago, there was a news commentator named Paul Harvey. Some of you may remember that name. And he told this story more than once, I think, on his radio uh, broadcast around uh, Christmas time. And it's a story you probably heard before, but it's a story that I think you'll you'll understand and, and and gives a great picture of what this means, this incarnation. And he begins the story saying that I, I'm going to introduce you to this man who was uh, understand he's not a Scrooge. He was a very decent, moral, good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other people, but he just didn't believe all this incarnation stuff they, they talk about at Christmas. He he liked the trees, he liked the decorations, but he just couldn't really grasp a hold of this, that God was a man, that God could become human, that God would come as really as a little baby, that that would really be God. Maybe he was indeed someone named Jesus, but not really God. And so his um, wife and children were going to go to midnight service, and obviously Christmas Eve probably. And so he said, I'm not going to go to you with the service. I'm, I'm going to stay home. Y'all go ahead. So he, he ended up staying home. And uh, as he did, he uh, sitting there at the, at the fireplace, had the curtains uh, drawn open at the uh, at his window. It was becoming dark, or had already gotten dark, of course, at midnight. The moon was shining and wasn't completely dark, so he could see out some. He looks out as, he, as he's reading his newspaper and sitting there relaxing. He hears this sound, this thudding sound, up against the window. He doesn't know what it is exactly. Then finally he realizes as he looks, as it's about to happen again, they're birds. 
birds that had uh, been very hungry in all the snow. They didn't have anything to eat, and so they'd got caught up in the storm, apparently, and very late at night for birds to be moving around. And so he saw those poor creatures, and he thought, you know, I, if I could get them some food and help them, that, that, would, that would keep them from starving, because in this, now that they've gotten away from where they were, they, who knows when they'll be able to get food again as long as the snow's on the ground. So he went out and tried to, he took it, put on his coat and put on his boots and goes out to the barn and opens the door and turns the lights on in the barn and he takes uh, some food and kind of leaves a trail of bird seed going back into the, or, or crumbs, excuse me, going back from breadcrumbs going back into the, to, the, uh, uh, to the barn, hoping they would follow. They peck at maybe a piece of bread or two, and they don't, they don't pay attention. It's almost like he's not there. So to his dismay, he thought, why are they ignoring this? And he tried even to catch them. He tried to shoo them. He tried to hurt them and get them together and to, to get them into the barn. He did everything he could, and he, he, they couldn't. He realized, you know, they're afraid of me. They're scared, as they usually are of humans. And, and they're, they're scared now because they're not on their, in their you know, where they normally are. They've been brought in the storm and... I don't want to hurt them. How can I assure them of that? He tried. He wasn't shooing them. He wasn't running them away. He wanted them to get in the in the barn. He said, "You know, if I could only speak as they do, if I could, if I could become a bird, they would understand. They'd see. They'd get it." As time goes by in the next few moments, and he's thinking about that, he began to understand. That's what the incarnation is. Adam was scared of God when he said, Adam, where art thou? He had sinned. He was afraid of God. Where art thou, Adam? I'm hiding because I'm naked. Why are you hiding? How did you know you're naked, Adam? And he admitted he sinned. And so this man realized the truth of the incarnation. That's what it's all about. God did do that. He became one of us so that we can, can know Him personally because He became one of us. He's not someone way out there. He's not some phantom. He became us through uh, being born as a baby, became human. And that's who Jesus Christ is. He found that out. Number three, to save us, Jesus had to be more than just human. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and verse number 15. This, of course, is talking about Jesus after His birth and death and resurrection and in life, death and resurrection, birth and death and resurrection. Now He's in heaven. It says in verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. To save us, Jesus had to be more than human. He couldn't just be a mere man. He couldn't just be a good teacher or a counselor or a psychologist or a good man who taught good things and told people, you know, treat your neighbor right, uh, treat your enemies right, pray for your enemies, and not really be God also. He couldn't say those things and not be God. He was God and man. Just as much man as if he were not God, though he certainly was and is. Just as much God as if he were not man, though he certainly was and he is. He had to be able to experience pain of suffering and loss and heartache and betrayal and the loss of a friend or a loved one. Like when John the Baptist was beheaded. Like when his friend Lazarus died before Jesus raised him from the dead. The tears that Jesus shed there. He had to be and go through those things. He had to go through the anguish that he went through 
through and the loneliness that he felt in the Garden of Gethsemane after being betrayed and left there um, uh, to pray with the other disciples as Judas had gone to betray him, or even as he stood in trial um, and Simon Peter denied him those three times. Times when our faith wavers, when we fail to stand for what is right or disobey him, he had to be more than human to be able to, to understand those things that we go through. He was more than human. He was God and man. He had to be both of those. Finally, also to save us, Jesus had to do what we cannot. He had to do what we cannot. Isaiah 9 verse 6. You hear this verse oftentimes. It's in uh, Handel's Messiah and other, so- other, other uh, songs have it included in it. Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government should be upon his shoulder. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor. Unto us a child is born. He had to do what we could not. He was born as a baby. We're born as babies, but he had to do that to live a sinless life. But the second phrase, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's talking about his crucifixion. That he was going to go to the cross, and he indeed, indeed did that very thing. He fulfilled no less than 48 prophecies in his first time that he came. From the time before he was born to the time he went to the cross and rose from the dead, no less than 48 prophecies. He fulfilled Genesis 3.15 that we saw, that he would be born of a woman. Galatians 4 that we saw, that he would be born of a woman. We saw that earlier, uh, that he would be born not just of a woman, but born of a virgin. He was to be a descendant of Abraham. He was to be a descendant of Abraham's son Isaac, not Ishmael. He was to be a descendant of, of Isaac's son Jacob, not Esau. He had to be a descendant of Judah, not of the other 11 tribes, but it had to be through Judah. He had to be a descendant of Jesse, descendant of Judah, Matthew chapter 1 tells us. He had to be a descendant of Jesse's son, King David. Matthew also tells us that. In the book of Daniel chapter 9, he'd appear after the rebuilding of Jerusalem in history, and he did that. He, he was born after Jerusalem had been built under, Nebuch- under, excuse me, under Nehemiah. He had to, be, he had to uh, appear before the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD, and he did. He would have to be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 tells us that. And it was fulfilled in Matthew 2 that he would be born in Bethlehem. He'd have to be called, he, he would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And that was exactly what he was called. Many, many others besides that. He fulfilled all those prophecies and many more when he was born and came to be our Savior. All that happened to show us that only God could have brought this about. Only God could have done that. To save us, he had to do what we cannot We can't do what he did. Only he could do it because he's God in the flesh. What is Christmas to you? We celebrate it once a year. But once it's it's time to put up the decorations and store them with our Christmas cards and you finish up the Christmas leftovers and desserts, does Christmas lose its meaning until just the next year? It's way too easy to put Jesus away with the decorations from year to year. I mean, if all we see him is just a baby, and indeed he was... If all we see him was just that little baby that was born, then it's easy to just put him away till the next year. But he was more than that. He's not a baby anymore. He grew to full maturity. He accomplished the Father's will for his life. So ultimately, he could pay the price for sin for you and me. He offers you the gift of eternal life. Won't you receive it today? If you haven't done that, I hope you have. He offers you not only eternal life, but a changed life. A purpose that is greater with Him than without Him. Do you know Him as your Savior? 
Does Christmas mean something real and personal to you? I hope it does. I know most of you, and I've talked to you, and I know you've trusted Christ as your Savior. But there may be someone here who has not, and I hope that you'll do that. No better time than Christmas to do that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus, our Savior. I thank you for salvation in Him. And I thank you that He fulfilled your plan that you saw way before way before any of us were even thought of. You, you saw that we would need a Savior. You saw that mankind had fallen into sin and was hopelessly headed uh, to destruction. Ultimately, without Christ, would be headed to a horrible place called hell. But Lord, You came to be our Savior. You sent Your Son. We celebrate it and we call it Christmas. And we don't know what day of the year He was born. We would like to think it was maybe this time of year, but Lord, it's my, I'm grateful that people at least observe this time of year, even though for many it's just a time of materialism and even a secular idea of Christmas, but at least that name is still mentioned. And I'm grateful that there's observance. And so Lord, whatever day it was, we're just glad He was born. We're glad He left heaven and came here for us. For little old us that just... In our minds, we may not be very much, but Lord, if you've saved us, we're your child. We belong to a God who created everything. We belong to a God who wants to do great things in our life if we'll let Him. Who wants to do much, much more than just the status quo of our life. We may not be much more than we are now financially or materially in our life. Lord, we can be so much more spiritually. Help us to realize that. And to know, Lord, that You want us to, to be more for Jesus Christ. But Lord, most importantly, there may be someone today who's never trusted You as their Savior. They don't know You. They know about You. They know that there's a Christmas time. But they don't know You personally. They've never really seen that You are definitely the incarnation of a holy God in a human body. And understand that He came, that You came here for every one of us. We thank You for salvation through You. Only You could have come up with that. And You could accomplish that. I pray, Lord, that this year this will be a great Christmas season. I hope it has been. I know there's been a lot of sadness, Lord, in our church family. There's been a lot of sadness happen, Lord, even this week. But we're grateful uh, that You give us hope and give us courage to be able to face whatever we go through in our life, to know that we can face it with our Savior until life ends. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand and close with a verse or a chorus. You'll come lead us, buddy. And uh, thank you again, Debbie, for playing today. Um, hope you all have a great week. And if we don't see you next Sunday, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And uh, Lord willing, we will meet this Wednesday, those who uh, would like to meet for our Bible study on Wednesday night. What number?